Hey you, welcome to Taylor Shapers of Influence podcast, where we discuss the people, places, and things that, well, influence us. We'll dissect the integrated worlds of marketing, pop culture, and everything in between, from fashion to sports to entertainment. We're not only creating conversations, we're leading them too. Join us. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Shapers of Influence podcast. My name is Ebony Baker, and I am the marketing coordinator for Taylor. Today, I am joined by two-time Olympian fencer, world champion, four-time senior world medalist, who became the first Black woman to win an individual medal at the Senior World Championships, winning bronze in 2015, and founder of the Prescott Institute for Sports, Teamwork, and Education, Nzinga Prescott. Thank you so for having me. What yes. a nice intro. Thank you. I was like, I, I hope appreciate you like it. <laughs> of yeah, course. Thank you. You know, it's not every day that you can interview an Olympian. So I am taking in this experience for sure. And <laughs> so our listeners know Nazinga is here to discuss her athletic career, life as an entrepreneur, and Olympic Fencing Academy and Learning Center for Black and Brown Youth in Brooklyn. So without further ado, we are going to get started. Cool. When it comes to fencing, that is a sport that I am not privy to. A lot of us in the Black community aren't. So since it's not normally something that you hear about, how did you get started in fencing? How did I get started? The same way a lot of Black fencers, if you see any in this world, got started through the Peter Westbrook Foundation, which is a nonprofit based in Manhattan, in New York City, founded by Peter Westbrook, who's a legend in fencing not just black fencing and American fencing. All of our like godfathers, very much the gifter of a lot of great life experience for all of us. So I started there when I was nine. And Peter, Peter's a six-time Olympian, Olympic bronze medalist individually, really amazing person. And my mom sent me there when I was nine. She put me in a lot of sports. My mom's very ambitious. If you could not tell by my name, uh, <laughs> audacity to name me Nzinga, which I pronounced Nzinga. But so yeah, we started there at nine and then Peter transitioned, my sister and I, I started my best friend Epiphany. He transitioned us to the after school program. So then we were coming into the city four or five times a week, starting at nine years old. So from like outskirts of Flatbush, Flatlands, close to Canarsie. I was commuting to Manhattan four times, four or five times a week through my young adult and very much youth life. So yeah, that's how I got started. I was really lucky. I was paired with the Olympic coach when I was not when I was 10 years old. Wow. So I was training with Bucky Leach very amazingly. Like it was hard. <laughs> that life is tough. <laughs> but you know, I'm very appreciative for the experience and it's shaped my character a lot it's shaped my endurance a lot it shaped my tenacity my resilience my confidence my can-do attitude just everything in my life has been really framed around my lessons of fencing the actual training part the actual sport of fencing you learn mental acuity it's a martial art so mm-hmm. the sharpness of your mind has to be on point your decision-making has to be on point, your problem-solving skills on point, how you organize your mind on point, how you decide 
you do this then, you don't do this now. You have, there's so much self-control required of the sport. And so all of that is very much transferable to real life. I'm very grateful for growing up in fencing, not only for the sport, the access to opportunity, like college, traveling the world. You can tell I talk about this a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but also the community of my bestest friends are in fencing. I grew up with these people and still revolve around this world. It's the core of my community. It's just really beautiful to have a space where everyone's pursuing high performance in this thing. It's a really beautiful experience to have that Black community doing this unusual sport that's very much a developer of like excellence. So you're around Black excellence constantly growing up and it's amazing to see and be part of and be part of the legacy of it. It's very special. Your journey in fencing really is remarkable. It's not every day that you are able to listen to someone express how fencing out of all sports has really shaped their life and you as a person. So thank you for sharing that. I know a lot of our listeners are wanting to know more about the Olympics. So may you speak to what it was like competing at the Olympics? I read this question and my first thought was terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like every competition is a bit terrifying because you put so much of your life into it. You put so much effort into training and it's a sacrifice. And honestly, when you're doing it, you don't realize how much of a sacrifice it is, but you're not living in real world. You're missing out on parties. You're missing out on this event. You're missing out with hanging out with your friends. You're missing out on doing nothing. Like, like you don't get a lot of nothing time when you're training for the Olympics. When you get there, it's like, oh man, I did, I put a lot of work into this to be here. And so this is the moment and it comes and it goes. So competing in the Olympics is, is terrifying, but it's really fun. It's really, it's grand. It's like a very massive stage where everyone's watching, everyone's paying attention to your sport. And honestly, you're competing every other weekend anyway, when it's not Olympic year. So it's another competition. It's just the grandness of the stage is different and the eyeballs and the attention on it and what's at stake title of it. It really takes a lot of composure and maturity to compete at the Olympics and be successful, but it's amazing. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity, a definer in my life. It's a lot of fun and really memorable. No one can take it away from me. So it's nice to have an achievement in my life. Yeah. Yes. And To your point, I think about the connections that you must have made while being there. You are seeing so many people, other uh, athletes from all over the world. That's a great way to, to get to know other athletes and really see the craft that everyone is perfecting and has been working on for years. So that's awesome. What are some of the challenges that you faced being a Black Olympic fencer? Yeah, a lot of people ask me this question, and I didn't know how to answer it for a long time. I think some of the obvious things are you stick out like a sore thumb, mm. but that's a lot of like when I was really young. The, the landscape of fencing has changed a lot on the high performance level. It's like gymnastics. It's like a lot of sports you see where the highest performers, you see a, a heavy concentration of Black people or heavier, but that's not really representative of the broader population in the sport. So fencing is a bit like that. 
But like I said, I grew up in a bubble of black fencers, which was like a godsend in my life. When you leave the club, it's another story and it's an adjustment. I would say the biggest challenge as a black Olympic fencer from Brooklyn, from the outskirts of Flatbush, is I'm the only one. That's Mm. the biggest challenge. I'm alone in this experience. And now I don't fence anymore. It's like, okay, I returned to my home and to other community. And I'm the only one who's had this crazy, intensive military experience. Like, (laughs) it's just weird. So I still feel like finding belonging is tough in the outside world because I had this really unusual path through my life. And so that is one of the most challenging things of having this, even though it was like very amazing, is I didn't have a normative life experience. Just finding people and connection and there's so many parts of me, I have so many identities and it can be challenging to understand what myself as a whole is because I see myself and I have connections with people in one lane of my life, but not necessarily multiple lanes. So it can be hard to connect with people sometimes because I'm just like, "Mm, I wouldn't have done it that way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And not everyone has your experience. Like you've said, I can only imagine what it's like to be isolated in that sense. You are surrounded by people that share that same craft and ambition and conditioning. Outside of that, not everyone is going to be able to connect because as you know, we are all being conditioned in different ways. So Mm -hmm. I can understand how something like that would kind of make you feel lonely, but knowing that you had that support amongst your fencing community is huge. When you think about fencing, you always are looking at it like, oh, you know, fencing is like a white sport. But to know that Black people like yourself have really dominated in this realm is amazing. Mm-hmm. To know that there's a whole community of people that are doing it together. It's cool. Yeah, it, it sounds yeah. really cool. Honestly, awesome. it makes me kind of like, dang, do I need to like get into a sport? <laughs> Sports are amazing. Sports are amazing. I've missed playing a sport. Like yeah. I work out. You see my Peloton? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> love me a Peloton. Love yeah, me. I love Peloton, but it's not the same as sports. You don't have interaction yeah. with people in on the right. Peloton. Like, you're not like exchanging emotion. Like fencing is an expression of self. It's your personality in this like weird combat with a sword you get to exchange with someone and yeah have a competition in a in a fun way you don't get that like spinning right even like swimming you know it's it's an one of my coaches called it a relationship sport Hmm. not an individual sport or relationship sport because there's someone in front of you who you respond to who you provoke who you trap <laughs> you you attack this person you defend against this person you have to adjust you have to accommodate this person in front of, of you so it's not just you it's you having a social moment in mm-hmm. in fencing so I miss that exchange I was playing tennis and I was like yo this is nice you get to you come bring it back <laughs> like, I get to trick you <laughs> I'm like oh, I miss this I miss yeah. it's a very um, particular experience and, and it's cool. 
Yes. The first word that came to my mind is poetic. Mm-hmm. Every time I look at fencing, I'm like, there's just something about this that is very poetic, you know, and in the way that both sides are, as you said, responding from each other, trying to best each other. It's definitely an intriguing sport for sure. But Mm -hmm. I want to double back on this conversation of you feeling that sense of loneliness outside of the sport while you were at the Olympics did you ever did you ever struggle with your mental health? Mental health is something that is so prevalent now within the black community and specifically sports. So is that something that you ever struggled with throughout your journey? Yeah, it's a good question. I feel like I never really recognized it as a struggle with mental health. Mm-hmm. I think everyone has some challenges with mental health at some points here and there. It's like impossible to be happy every day. And so at some moments, it's a longer strike of happiness than others. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's you have a more extended period of happiness than other times. Like, but it's always fleeting to me. And in the moments of the lull of happiness, like where it's kind of avoidant, sometimes it's longer than others, like I said. But I think as an athlete, you learn to pick up well. I think the attitude of like, I can do and not giving up is really relevant to mental health. In general, of going through depressive episodes, you have some tools and experience of like feeling down and getting back up. So I think being an athlete and having those experiences of of loss, of defeat, you're always losing in, in fencing, training. If you're not losing, you're not growing. So it doesn't make sense to be practicing and not losing. This is something you have to teach the kids. They they are learning how to lose a lot of them have a, sh- a hard time learning how to lose. And so it's a similar muscle in yourself to like, all right, I lost something disappointed me. Something is making me feel off balance. How can I pick myself up? But I would say to look looking at your next question, what would I say to athletes struggling with mental health? Take a break, sit your butt down. That's how I feel. Sit down, you need rest. When my mental health is struggling and honestly, it's been tough. Being an entrepreneur is its own thing of mental health struggles. Like that's a whole other thing. But what helps me is to just relax. My sister's always like, relax and give yourself time to relax and do things for yourself, things you enjoy, like have dedicated time for it. That's what I would say. Yes, I appreciate your words. Even someone that like myself that has not had the same experience as you, your words resonate with me being a young, ambitious Black woman, even in corporate space. I believe that it is a part of our conditioning, always needing to do our best and having that idea that we are expected to outperform. Mm. So um, when it comes to mental health, like you said, it is something that we do have to realize you're not going to be happy every day. If you're striving for that, you are ignoring all of your other emotions that you probably should be feeling in certain situations. And that doesn't mean you have to overreact, but standing up for yourself and the emotions that come with that may not feel happy in the moment, but it help you to feel that in the long run, learning how to 
understand your emotion and why it is that you're feeling how you feel. So your sister is absolutely right. Sit your butt down. Take a breath. Sit down. (laughs) Yeah. Sit down. Oh oh my gosh. Like the amount Yes. The amount of times my family is like, okay, you know, you got to relax. I think it's just something that we carry as a people to just feel, 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 but never ask why. Mm. Why are you feeling this way? I think also you have to give yourself grace. Yeah. I don't expect perfection from myself. I give myself grace. I know. And this is my approach with the Olympics. You have to compete at the Olympics. I don't expect to win the Olympics on my first time going. <laughs> I want to do my best. I understand it's a process to get to the top. And in, in, in my whole career, it's been a long game career. Like I know when I get to the next, so it's like you go through the, the age ranks, so under 16, under 20, and then you're in senior. I know when I'm in under 16, I probably won't make the Olympics. I will try to. But you know, it's, it's tough. So it's not like I have that expectation. So I, I understand it's a long game that I'm playing. I think sometimes I see this with my kids a lot. They don't want to play the long game. They're just like, they want immediate satisfaction. And so like, it's part of the process to lose and to not achieve your end point that you're reaching for. It's not going to happen right away, but that's resilience. That's something I think you, you learn a lot in sport. And then I also think that like a lot of the news around like Simone Biles and mental health in the Olympics and, and athletes and fencing and other Olympic sports are high performance. Anytime you're dabbling in high performance, whether it's corporate, I work at Ernst & Young and they love to talk about high performance, like high performing teams. And so that's consulting, like any kind of corporate where you have to deliver to a client, you, there's some kind of bottom line you're trying to achieve performance is is really important and I think when performance is so heavily valued your mental health mm-hmm. has potential to be compromised but that's where you have to really pay attention to your limitations and take self-care another thing there's so much buzz around this word self-care or like these two words self-care there's balance mm-hmm. there's balance there's balance I, I probably <laughs> need to take more balance on the self-care side, but I also think that I wouldn't be caring for myself if I wasn't doing my best to achieve the things I want to achieve in my life because I'm an achiever and those are my goals. That's how I've grown up. That's how I'm conditioned. Those are things I I value heavily. So if I'm not doing those things to get to where I I want to be, that's not self-care to me. At all. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really great. Balance is something that I feel that we all need to work on and exercise in our life and in -hmm. all these other areas we have an idea for ourselves and who we want to be and how we want to be perceived but even to that point there's an imbalance because who we are may not always match up with the way that we perceive ourselves Mm -hmm. and that perception can be based off of how we want people to see us if I'm constantly trying to be what everyone else wants me to be or sees me to be, then I'm already taking on that sense of imbalance in my life. And that is ultimately affecting my mental health. This is exactly what I I think people are going to appreciate. Just knowing that as you speak about your journey as an Olympian, those of us that have never gone to the Olympics or... (laughs) or even played a sport, um, 
still can relate to you and your journey, that's important. Because we're constantly looking at people on television, look at their lives. I feel like they never experienced this, this, and this. But to your point, we all feel lonely. We all have days where we're overreacting or just need to sit down. So I'm going to switch gears because I have to talk about your foundation, Prescott Institute for Sport, Teamwork, Education. I am so excited to hear all about it. So what inspired you to start Peace for short? Mm -hmm. So Peace is an evolution of fencing in the park. When I was growing up, <laughs> you can tell fully immersed in fencing. So whenever I wrote papers or anything, it's always this fencing impacted my life. Oh, I managed my time in fencing. Da -da 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 -da. Oh, I learned this lesson in fencing. Da -da 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 -da. Um, so I've always written about fencing like academically. And um, I've always been like very ambitious in fencing, but also academically. So when I went to college and he has picked this major, I'm just like, what do I do? What do I study? I went back to what I know, which is fencing and how it's impacted me in my life and how it's given me access and changed my life trajectory in a lot of ways that looking at everyone else around me, they haven't had the same opportunities I've had. I've always wanted to figure out how to increase that access I'm not the only one you know so that I can share it with more people especially people from where I grew up because I grew up in two worlds as I was kind of saying I grew up in a world of privilege in a world that doesn't have that kind of access I saw kids at fencing going to private school learning Latin going to their country home in the Hamptons with their Havaianas and their Sophie shorts and their summer camp. And they're like, oh, I'm doing homework three hours a night. I'm studying for the SAT, I'm in eighth grade type stuff, which is like New York City, upper class. You know, that's how that life is. And then, which we were very much exposed to too. So it wasn't only the black, we were exposed to a lot in fencing. It's not just black community in fencing, it's the whole world of fencing you're very much living in. And so I saw that world. I would go back to Flatbush and I grew up in public school. So in public school, it's like the quality of the education is really not comparable in many, many ways. The classrooms are huge. You don't have access to like extracurricular enrichment. You don't have access to things where you can explore yourself, explore your likes, your dislikes, like have those experiences. I want to go this direction of my life. You don't have those opportunities. You go to school, the teachers don't want to deal with you. You're in like herds of classes, you go home, everyone's like, you know, kind of like a little tough and wants to argue. Everyone's like wear their nicest Jordan. It's like a fashion show going to school. <laughs> but you know, I was, uh, that was my life. That was like part of me. I went to school with my sister for a bit. Some of my best friends were in public school, like growing up in the neighborhood. So it was like, I was in these two worlds and I just knew this is not fair. This is crazy. How do you expect to, you know, exist in this world, compete, competing me? Um, how do you expect to compete in this world when you don't have the development? So that was always like, when I went to college, that was like the framework. I was kind of studying how do I do more fencing in the world, in the Black community, especially where I grew up, so that they have better access to opportunity. Yeah, so that was 
that was my motivation and that's background story of peace. I've always wanted to have a fencing club in my neighborhood because it's not here. I had a goddaughter who moved to Florida, but I always wanted her to fence and she tried it, didn't like it. So I always wanted to bring it here for for the community here. And so that was peace is my fencing club in my home. Um and honestly, I've realized more and more just touching on the challenges of being a Black Olympic fencer. It's, this is me trying to have like a whole, a whole person in myself. I feel like I was displaced a bit when I grew up in fencing. So, and now I'm, I don't fence anymore. So I'm back in my home. And so I want to marry my lives. So this is like, this is how I've done it. But the mission is heavily around education and youth development, quality youth development experience. So that's how we're moving. It's very much a reflection of me and my values and things that have treated me well in my life and things I have access to. It's it's very cool. It's youth focused, but I also want to wrap in like adult elements, social elements to make it fun because that's also very much part of me. It's been a challenge. I feel I'm very equipped to do it but it's still a lot of head down work. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of lack of resources when it comes to the difference between public and private school is something that needs to be exposed even more so because you'll have so many talented people that are going to public schools, but able to really express themselves and have the resources to get them to a point where they're even feeling comfortable about themselves and their future while if they either attend college or choose to you know just continue to learn from life that's something that as a society we definitely need to continue to discuss and act on when yeah. it comes to your foundation you are creating opportunity Mm -hmm. You know, let, let's just call it what it is. Like, this is an opportunity for the Black and Brown youth in your community to have an experience that they probably wouldn't have if they didn't attend a private school or didn't have an ambitious mother that wanted for them to have a different experience, one that could help develop them as people. So I think that that is amazing. And lastly, where do you see peace in three years? Um, the vision has always been to expand. I, I'm a person of growth. I don't like to stand still. I like to expand. So definitely expansion. I want to loop in more adult elements because I'm building this organization and it's heavily youth focused, but I spend all my time on it. And so... I want to have like social elements too. And there's been so much interest in adults getting involved and being part of it and like learning fencing. I think it's great for the kids too, to see that it's in their culture. A lot of the motivation in having it in the community in this area is having it be normal that this is for them. You don't have to leave your community to do this. This is for you. This is something you do here in your home. I want everyone to be fencing. <laughs> I think there's a lot of value to it. For, for, for adults, for young people. So in three years, having way more people fencing, we have school programs. So that's like 
a pretty recreational route to fencing. We have our academy, which is like more intensive high performance fencing. And then we have our park program, which is just very introductory and playful. So we have tiered levels of involvement for everyone to get into. In three years, I want to have our own space. I want to do that this year. Right now we're at the Flatbush YMCA. So hopefully get our space, have really sustainable funding coming in. There's no cost to the program. There's no required cost for families. Yeah. The schools we charge. (laughs) And and events. Yeah. (laughs) That helps fund the program. Three years, have more kids involved, have the kids be performing more Mm -hmm. um, nationally, internationally, potentially having the skills and the commitment to the sport, retaining all of our kids, really keeping them to develop like as people mm-hmm. until they reach college and even beyond then get them into specialized high schools and other really great schools, have them go into college, like go to college with these schools with fencing or without fencing, you know, but having great educational experiences, hope maybe expanding sports in three years. I'm not sure. It depends on facilities and stuff like that and having a lot of events. Yeah. As activation, being like part of the culture, like I want fencing to be in the culture. Forget about basketball, it's about fencing. (laughs) (laughs) I I love that and I am here for it. That also speaks to the community response to know that adults, I'm sure, have walked past seeing you guys at the park like, what's going on? That's wonderful. You already having that in your mind. Expansion is key and I'm willing to do that as soon as possible. So that ambition is going to take you as far as you want to go. And I really appreciate you sharing your experience with me, uh, being a fencer and your passion for wanting to give Black and Brown youth and communities the opportunity to step outside of the social norm and experience a a new sport. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. To to me, it's a gift, but really it's something everyone should have access to. So it is a gift because I work, it's my time and energy. So I'm I'm giving that, but really I see it as you should already have this and Mm. you don't. So I have a Finsta and on my Finsta, there's this picture of this shirt that's like, no one wants to do it. Give it to a black woman and she'll do it. You know what I mean? So I'm just like, no one's doing this. And it's a huge miss yeah. in the world, you know? So find a solution for it. So, cause I know it's, it's life-changing. Yes, it is. Wow. This conversation has been so inspiring and for all that are listening, I hope you leave feeling inspired and definitely wanting to learn more about fencing. With that being said, Zinga, let everybody know where they can find you, where they can keep up with you, where they can donate Mm -hmm. and really support you on your journey. Yeah, we're going to be having a few events. I'm working, I was actually working on the website right before I logged into this, but our new website is going to be www.peaceacademy.org, P-I-S-T-E academy.org. Please join our newsletter so we can reach out to you. And we're having events. We want to invite you guys so we can have build community, adult community, youth community, support each other community. We're looking to collaborate with brands and orgs and partners. And there's a lot of room to build together. And if you're interested in learning more, please reach out. 
Yes, love that. And donate. I'm just going to say and it. donate. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yes, we need, like I said, this is a free program. We need dollars coming in consistently from every direction grassroots dollars, corporate dollars, individual private dollars, foundation dollars. And so if you have contacts through your work, partners at your organization or your company have dedicated dollars to nonprofits or a billionaire Brooklyn's fencing club yeah so any of that if you have access to a foundation that gives out youth development grants and something like that you only get these grants if you know somebody so please connect us yes yeah. yes well again I want to thank you so much for having this conversation with me today I'm so excited to see where your endeavors take you and I look forward to following you on your journey I appreciate it this was fun thanks for having me this is the shapers of influence podcast I am Ebony Baker and I look forward to you tuning in to the next one bye bye guys well that wraps up this episode of Taylor's shapers of influence to learn more about what we do at Taylor, you can find us at taylorstrategy.com. Looking for more episodes of the podcast? Find us wherever you stream stuff. We're on iTunes and other major streaming platforms. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Taylor Strategy. Thanks for stopping by and tuning in. Peace.